Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I'm so grateful for what the Holy Spirit's been doing among us this morning, for all of the testimonies of God's goodness and his faithfulness, to consider how awesome he is and how much he loves us and how much he loves the world around us. And that very fact that he loves the world around us has really been stirring me recently. It's really been um, doing something in my heart. And I wanted to just share this morning about compassion. And we've been looking at these gospel encounters and we've heard some wonderful things about how Jesus interacts with people in the gospels. And there's this one thing which underpins all of that, which is compassion, which is the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to give his life as a ransom that we can come into wonderful relationship with our Father. The compassion of Jesus Christ, which motivates him in all of his conversations and in all the healing and the miracles and all that he does, it's because of this heart of compassion that he has for the world. And, you know, there are, there are a couple of things that have happened to me over the last couple of weeks which have really led me, uh, I'd have to say, to a, a place of conviction that if we could all really deliberately invest in our relationship with the God of compassion, then that would be a really good thing. That would be a really good thing. If we could be bold enough and brave enough to say, Lord, move me as you're moved. Lord, break my heart from what breaks your heart. Lord, drive me forwards and outwards from a place of compassion. If we could have the courage to pray that sort of prayer, I think that would be a really good thing. I think that would be the kind of thing where we'd be really likely to see everything that God wants to see happen, happen. Because he's the God of compassion. He wants us to be moved as he's moved. He wants our hearts to break as his break And he wants us to be driven forwards and outwards from a place of compassion. So I just wanted to tell a couple of stories, if that's okay. Um, And uh, these are really honest. These are really honest stories. And um, please don't judge me. Okay? That's a good setup for the stories, isn't it? So um, (laughs) Rosanna and I I went for a walk. about a week and a half ago. And we came to the end of our walk and we got to the car park and next to our car was a van and there was a lady who had been out on her bike and she was packing her stuff away with the van and she was sitting on the back of the van sorting her shoes out and things. Um, And we were packing away the pushchair and putting the boys in the car and I was putting Elijah into the car, our littlest son, And um, as my head was in the car, I just said, Holy Spirit, if there's anything that you want to say to this lady, then please tell me. Um, And straight away, the Holy Spirit gave me a really clear instruction. Speak to her about so-and-so. I thought, okay. Um, And so I I put Elijah in the car, and I I kind of fumbled around a bit and loitered outside the car really awkwardly, waiting for this really glaringly obvious opportunity to speak to this lady in the way that the Holy Spirit had told me to. Um, And it felt like an infinite amount of time that I was stood there. Um, And then what happened was, I got in the car and I drove away. And then a few days later, um, 
we were going to some friends for lunch. And my friend messaged me and said, I've got to go to the shops before you come for lunch. Um, and so I messaged him back and said, great, have fun. Um, and, um, and then I prayed and I said, Holy Spirit, if there's anything that you want to do through my friend's visit to the shop, then please tell me or show me. And straight away, the Holy Spirit gave me a really clear, simple picture of some people that my friend was going to meet in the shop. I thought, wow. Um, I didn't message him. I didn't tell him what the Holy Spirit had shown me. Um, and we went to their house and we sat down for lunch and we were chatting over lunch and um, there are a few of us there and it wouldn't have meant anything to anybody else but my friend said in passing um, as I was in the shop I came across and he described exactly what the Holy Spirit had shown me um, and then we just carried on the conversation it, it wouldn't have meant anything to anybody else but as soon as he said it my stomach dropped and I just felt awful I just felt terrible and um, in both of those situations, the Holy Spirit spoke to me straight away, and I discounted or I devalued what I'd heard, um, almost like, okay, that's my first thought, um, now let's dig really deep to hear what God's really saying in this situation. Um, and when I think about it, it seems really obvious that God would speak to me straight away. It seems really obvious that when I pray to the God of love, um, and, you know, God as in God who so loved the world that he sent his son to die for them. God who says, here's really two important things in life. Love me and love your neighbor. That's the God who I've prayed to and I've asked the Holy Spirit. And so, obviously, when I say to him, essentially, could I be the voice of the God of love in this situation? God says, yes, say this. And I've gone, oh, that's an interesting thought, Will. Now let's really dig around to find out what God's saying. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Or perhaps, and this is really ridiculous, I've even thought, yeah, that's good, and it's from God, but I don't think it's enough. Almost like, look, God, I know you spoke the whole universe into creation with just a few words. You know, and I know your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. Um, but I think if you want to use me in this situation, then you perhaps need to give me a bit more. What? It's completely ridiculous. Now, don't get me wrong. I really believe that God wants to speak very specifically into situations and give us real clarity and directness, for which oftentimes we have to be patient and, and keep asking God more questions and unpacking what he's saying. I really believe that, and I've seen that to be true in my own life on many occasions. But I don't want to find myself in a place where I'm so concerned about hearing and delivering a really cool word from God that I neglect the compassionate heart behind the word. Our desire for dynamic encounters in cooperation with the Holy Spirit is a really good desire. It's a really good desire. But it can't outweigh our desire to show the compassion of God to the world that he sent his son to die for. It can't outweigh that. Because the thing is, whether or not the Holy Spirit speaks to me to give me specific information ahead of time for those extra awesome dynamic encounters, um, the fact remains that he wants to show compassion. God always wants his children to know his compassion towards them. He always wants that. God always wants that, whether or not he gives me specific information ahead of time. 
And as I've seen, just in the past couple of weeks, he's even sometimes given me that extra information, but I've not been stirred enough by his compassion to do anything. I would have to, in all honesty, say that I've just not cared enough. I've just not cared enough that God loves this person and he wants to tell them that through me. I'd have to identify it as a lack of compassion as opposed to to fear or embarrassment or pride. Because, you know, I I was thinking about this, but Jesus is our perfect example, isn't he, in all things? And it was Jesus' compassion for me and for you that led him to the cross. And I think Jesus could have been overcome by fear on his way to the cross because the idea of being crucified on a cross is, naturally speaking, terrifying. To consider, as he knew, everything that he was going to go through, he could have been overcome with fear. So there's fear and embarrassment. You know, the idea that he was going to be mocked and ridiculed, that he was going to have this mocking sign, king of the Jews, and this crown thrust into his head in a mocking way, and then he was going to be on this tree for everybody to see... Here he is, the king of the Jews, hanging on a cross. What a spectacle. How embarrassing that could have been for him. He could have been overcome by fear. He could have been overcome by embarrassment. He could have been overcome by pride because, you know, this is God. He knows that he's God. He knows that he's the person that made this tree that he's about to die on. He could have taken his his status and he could have said, you know what, I'm not doing that. But he wasn't overcome by fear, nor by embarrassment, nor by pride. He was overcome by his compassion for me and for you when he looked towards the other side and he saw us. And so I think really that true compassion, real compassion, it has to override fear and embarrassment and pride. And I don't want to make this as like a blanket statement, but I do think that sometimes we can think, I can't do it because I'm afraid or because I'm embarrassed or because I'm just a bit too proud. But I think actually what we're sometimes saying is, I just don't care enough. Yeah, yeah. Because if I really did, then those things would fall to the wayside compared with my compassion for the lost. My compassion for the person at the other end of this interaction. Because compassion is a, it's a really moving, active thing, isn't it? It's, it's moving and it's active, but the thing is that sometimes... I've found myself with the tools for the job or the answer to the question or the directions for the lost, but I've just not been stirred enough with that compassion to to move or to speak or to help. And I don't think that it's just me. I I really hope that there's others in this room that that are feeling the same. Um, I think we can all be like this. Chris said a couple of weeks ago, didn't he, that he couldn't currently say that he cares about people as much as Jesus does, but praise God that by his grace and his transforming process, that's changing in our lives. And so for me, my my cry really is like the father of that boy in Mark 9, who the boy has has got this evil spirit that's trying to throw him into the fire or into the water. And the father comes up to Jesus and he says, if you have compassion, then please help us. And Jesus says, for the one who believes, everything is possible. And so the man says, 
Lord, I believe. Um, he cries. He cries out. He says, it cry, he cries to Jesus. He says, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And in a similar way, I think that's, that's really, really my heart, and that's what I'm trying to express is, Lord, I really do have compassion. I really do care, but Lord, help me. Help me have compassion. Help me to steward well what you've given me so that it might grow and you'll give me more. Lord, please help me to give freely and generously, just as you have so freely and generously given me your compassion. You've accepted me as I was. You've brought me into your family. You've done that so freely and so generously. Lord, let me give in the same way. Lord, please help me not to depend on a a really specific or word or an insight, but help me to be faithful um, even when you do give me that. I don't want to depend on it, Lord, but please help me even when you do do that. Because the bottom line, which is really simple, is that Jesus loves and cares for people. He's compassionate. He loves the world, and it moves him inwardly and outwardly. And there are loads of examples of this in the gospel. There's, there's tons of examples of Jesus' compassion um, using that word or just describing what is clearly a compassionate act of Jesus. Um, but there are just three very, very simple ones that I'd like us to have a quick look at. Um, this really isn't exhaustive at all. <laughs> compassionate, it's, it's huge. Um, but I just feel in, in the Holy Spirit and it, it, in my heart that Um, wherever you're at God wants you to care more and I'm just giving you some honest examples from my life to say on loads of occasions I've done exactly what the Holy Spirit said and I've seen amazing things but on some occasions I've not done that and I've got to identify that as a lack of of compassion because that's unchanging he he always cares Um, so there's just three simple examples that we see in, in the gospel where Jesus see something that stirs his compassion. He identifies that there's a lack and he responds with abundance. So he sees something that stirs his compassion, he identifies what the lack is and he responds in a really abundant way. So we're just going to look at those, uh, those three examples. The first of which is in Mark chapter 6. And it's in verse 34. And they'll be on the screen for us, so you're welcome to turn to them, but you don't have to. And this particular one is from the Amplified Version. So this is just before the feeding of the 5,000. And it's just after that Jesus' very dear friend, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. So Jesus goes away to get some some time away with the disciples. And um, it says here, when Jesus went ashore... He saw a large crowd waiting and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, lacking guidance. And he began to teach them many things. So really, really simply, Jesus, he saw the large crowd and he was moved with compassion. He saw them and it moved him. Why, why was that? Well, it's because he identified that there was a lack there, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, lacking guidance. He knew that there was was something there which was wrong, which he had the means to make it right. And so he responds, as Jesus loves to, with, with great abundance, and he teaches them 
Not just some things, not just his favorite things, but many things. Jesus taught them many things. He put right everything that was wrong in terms of what they've been taught in their lives. And he just responds with this compassionate abundance. And I think when you break it down like that, it's, it's quite easy for us to do that. To see somebody, to be stirred with compassion, to get chatting and, and think, you know, there's, there's obviously a need here. And to respond to that need out of our compassionate hearts. We see the same thing again in Luke 7, verses 12 to 15. And it says, Just as he neared the gate of the town, this is Jesus, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said, Don't cry. Then he came up and he touched the open coffin and the pole bearers stopped. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. It's a very simple and a very amazing story, isn't it? Again, Jesus saw something that stirred his compassion. He saw this lady and he had compassion on her. Why was that? Well, he identified that she was a widow, that her only son was dead. I think very simply, he identified that she was really sad. She was in a terrible situation. She was really sad. He said, don't cry, because she was crying. I presume that wasn't like, she's probably about to cry, so I'll say don't cry. I presume it was, she's crying, so I'll say don't cry. She was really sad, this lady, and Jesus just identified there's a sadness here. And you know what? In me is joy and peace and the answer to the question that she's got and and everything that she needs is in me right now. And so what does he do? He says to the young man, get up, and the dead man sat up. And I love this. Jesus gave him to his mother. The best gift she's ever received. Her son back from the dead. This widow who had lost her child, and she's given to him. It's really simple, isn't it? It's really simple. People should stir us with compassion, and we should see that there's a need, and we should meet that need. It's pretty simple. (laughs) And then in Mark 9, towards the end of that chapter, and the start of chapter 10, we see another similar scenario, where Jesus sees something that stirs him, He identifies what the lack is, and he responds with abundance. And it says, When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion and pity for them, because they were dispirited and distressed, like sheep without a shepherd. And when you read this in your Bibles, you'll have a little cross-reference there to Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 2. And that verse gives us a bit more information about what does it mean that they were lost like sheep without a shepherd. What does that actually mean in this situation? And what is being referred to is this verse, Zechariah 10.2, which says, the household idols speak wickedness, emptiness, worthlessness, and the diviners see lying visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain, and therefore the people wander like sheep. They're afflicted and suffer because there's no shepherd. And so what he's saying is that there's these people that they've been deceived and they've been misled and they've even been comforted in vain. They've been offered comfort but with no source of where this comfort's coming from. There's there's an emptiness there. 
And so he says to his disciples in verse 37, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And then he summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them authority and power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. And he says, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Jesus saw the, the crowd and he, I, he saw uh, something that stirred his compassion. And he identified that they were so lost and so deceived and they were, they were empty and they believed all of this worthlessness and these lying and false dreams and visions. And so he gives his disciples all authority to right all of those wrongs. Every issue that was there, he addressed it. Cast out, the, cast out the, the, the demons, get rid of the unclean spirits, and all of those things are covered. Freely you've received and freely give is his instruction. And I love that. I love that it's Jesus' heart of compassion for the lost that motivates this instruction. Freely you've received, freely give. That really struck me, you know, freely you've received, so freely give. Because that freely that is used there, it's, it means without charge and without cause. And what that means is that I'm to give without charge. It means that there's nothing required of whoever is receiving the freely gift. It means that although looks can be deceiving, like Rich told us last week, there is no qualifier for who's, who's ready to receive the compassion of God. It's a free gift. There's no charge you don't have to, to pay an amount. You don't have to look so poor and disheveled that you, that you really need God. You don't have to look like, you know, you don't have to have anything. You just need to receive God's compassion and his love. Everybody is eligible. And so we're to be like that farmer who scatters the seed, just liberally scattering the seed of God's compassion. Everybody is, everybody is able to receive it. Everybody is worthy to receive it. Everybody can have it. It's God's compassion. It's for all of you. It's a giving without charge. And it's a giving without cause. And this really challenged me, but you know, there's nothing special required of the giver. We don't have to have a special reason to give. That means that we don't have to attain to some special measure before we're able to give. So right now, I, I, I'm just a church member, but you know, maybe when I'm a life group leader, then I've got something to give. Or you know, I've been doing a great job as a life group leader now, but perhaps if I made the team of deacons, then I might have something to give. Or you know, well, I've done a great job as a deacon, and, uh, and maybe if they made me an elder, then I might have something to give. It's total rubbish. It's total rubbish. Freely we have received. Freely we can give with no special cause. We don't have to have our whole life in order before we're able to give. Did you know that it's a lie of the enemy that you can't pray for a sick person if you have sickness in your own body? That is a lie that we can identify and not live in the badness of that lie. You don't have to have your whole life in order to be able to proclaim a gospel which says that Jesus can get your whole life in order. 
That's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie. That's, it's not true. I've received freely of the compassion of God. He's poured his love and his grace into my life. And I need nothing more than that to be able to give. Just the fact that I've freely received. And so I also don't have to obtain something extra special of contents to be able to give. I don't have to have a really specific word of knowledge to have something to give. I don't have to have a prophetic word to be able to give somebody something. Those things are wonderful, and we should be faithful with them, but we don't have to have them to have something to give. God simply loves people. God loves people, and he's chosen us to show that love. And um, so just in closing, I... God really tested me in this recently. Um, we were at Made for Mission on Tuesday, and uh, I was chatting with, with Ben Morris in our little discussion, um, and we were talking about what could hold us back from, from sharing the gospel. And so we were talking about all these things, and I told him my, my two sad stories about the time where I'd, I'd not done what the Holy Spirit had told me to do. And I said, I, to be honest, Ben, I think it's, it's got to be a lack of compassion in me. Um, and so we were, you know, consoling one another, like, you know, we can do this, we, we, we can get better at this, um, which we can and which we will. Uh, and then my phone rang, and it was because there were some people coming to, uh, to fit a washing machine in our house. Um, as I said, I'm going to have to go during the break to let, to let them in. Um, and so I nipped to the loo, and when I, when I came out, I saw Ben. I said, Ben, whilst I was um, in the loo, I wasn't not literally in the loo, but near the loo, um, God spoke to me, and I think somebody that's coming to do the washing machine is called Dean, D-E-A-N. Um, he said, oh, that's cool. I said, and I'm going to be full of God's compassion, and I'm going to do what he's told me to do, and I'm going to ask who's called Dean. Um, and so I, I went home, and then Ben messaged me, and he said, as you said, Dean, I really felt that God said um, that he's worried about his mortgage payments, I was like, this is cracking. I've got, you know, I've got a name for the guy. I've got a really specific word into his life. Um, let's go. So I was, I was praying and I was waiting for the, for the people to arrive. Um, and in my heart, I really, I honestly just felt, Jesus, you love this person and you've got a plan for his life. That was the simple, simple truth that I felt, felt in it all. And they arrived and they came, they came to the house and... Um, they were doing, doing their stuff. and So I just very boldly and confidently, I was in the kitchen, I said, so, which one of you is called Dean? <laughs> and so the, the lead guy um, speaks to me, and he says, none of us, mate. <laughs> he says, I'm Michael, this is Kevin, that's Mike, so uh, none of us are Dean. I said, oh, uh, I really thought one of you was called Dean. <laughs> Which to him is just completely bizarre, isn't it? Um, so he was like, no, mate. And they, they, just, they just carried on doing their washing machine, machine stuff. Um, so I thought, okay, <laughs> that wasn't too great. Um, but I got to chatting to him, and I, I told him that the washing machine was, was a gift to us and um, how grateful we were and this, that, and the other um, and he said, oh, that, that's really good because when you buy a house, you know, things are so expensive and, and mortgage can be really expensive. I thought, oh, that's the magic word. 
he's, he's dropped the M word into the conversation. So, uh, so I said, yeah, 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 and we carried on. Um, he said, have you got a Hoover? So I said, yeah, I've got a Hoover. So I went to get the Hoover, and it was full of dust. So I took the dust thing outside to empty it in the bin. And as I was at the bin, um, I just said to God, what was all that Dean business about? <laughs> and, he, and he said, well, I had to test you, because the last time I'd asked you to do things, you'd not done them. So <laughs> I had to check that you were going to do what I asked you to do. So, so I said, OK, well, well, I have. So um, you know, can we get on with things? <laughs> so I, I didn't really say that. Um, so, so I went back in, and, and it all finished up. And I, I just finished. As, and um, he told me a, f a few different things. I said, um, I said, this is a really random question, but you mentioned about your um, previous partner who has a daughter with you. And do you have to support them financially, even though you have your own house and they've got theirs? And um, I thought, here we go. Uh, and he said, um, yeah, I mean, things were a little tough a while back. But to be honest, they're absolutely fine now. I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, payments are, payments are like all going really well, and we're in a really good place. I've sorted all the debts out, and, um, and everything is fine. So I was thinking, his name's not Dean. <laughs> he's not worried about his mortgage payments. And I'm thinking all this, and he's still talking to me. And he got to the end of what he was saying, um, and he says, why do you ask? <laughs> I said, <laughs> so I said, well, um, I was chatting with my friend earlier, and, um, and we both thought that, that God would, would like to let you, you know that, that he's real. And, um, and my friend thought that you might be worried about your mortgage payments. He said, oh, that sounds like Kev. So his mate that's in the van, um, Kev, um, he said, yeah, he's got all these payday loans and he's, and he's in a really bad way and I'm trying to help him, but I, he probably is really worried about his mortgage payments. I thought, okay, well, that's kind of like... We kind of hit the mark. Like, he was one of the three. He wasn't called Dean. He was called Kev. But um, and we carried on talking. And uh, but there's, what I feel like happened was that God had just stripped away these things because all that He really wanted to do was to see my heart of compassion towards this man in it all. He just loved this guy. He he loved him. And the more I talked to him, the more I could feel God's God's love towards him. Um, and so I didn't have like a special a really specific word or anything, I was just left with what God has said to me was, well, I love him and I've got a plan for his life. And so things conclude. And I said to, um, to this guy, I said, look, I don't know what you think about this, but I really believe that Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan for your life. Um, and he was so touched. And uh, he told me about three family members, two of which were his parents, who had died over the past number of months. And he was, he was just so sad. Um, and, and he was struggling to sleep. Uh, and he just kept feeling this hand on his back every time that he, he thought about his mum who had passed away recently. Um, and so I just I, I told him, Jesus loves you. He, he loves you and he's got a plan for his life. And it's not a plan that's going to lead you to die early. Um, you don't need to be worried about that. Um, I asked him if he would mind praying uh, when he feels like he's struggling to sleep, that God would help him to sleep. And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to do that. Um, and you know what? That's kind of an underwhelming end to a story, maybe. But the simple and very overwhelming fact is that Jesus loves people. Yeah. And, you know, we can go about and we can be, we can be looking for all these um, amazing opportunities, and they do happen, and that's wonderful. But the truth remains... God loves every single person in and outside of this building. And he's chosen us as his people 
to share that news, to share the gospel, to be that compassion of God to the world around us. So that is very simply what I wanted to share, is that I just really pray, Lord Jesus, in your name, that with the help of your Holy Spirit, that we would quite simply just care a bit more. Would you help us, Lord, to not try and muster anything up within ourselves, but to lean into the God of compassion, to lean into you, Lord Jesus, to learn more about how you love people from your word and to speak with you in our prayers and to worship you and understand you more as the God of compassion. Lord, would you help us to be bold enough to pray that prayer, move us as you are moved, break our hearts as your heart is broken, Lord, and drive us forwards and outwards from a place of compassion. Lord Jesus, please would you do something in us, even right now, Lord, as we turn our attention and fix our gaze on you. Lord, we just still everything else right now around as we put aside distractions and we just focus on you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're so appreciative of the way that you so humbly gave your life for us in the ultimate act of compassion. We freely receive that, Lord. We've so freely received that. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But Lord, you gave your life for us because of your compassion. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to freely give. Just as we have freely received, help us to freely give not feeling that we have to attain to anything special or obtain something really specific or particular. But Lord, we just want to love people in the way that you have loved us, to show your heart in the way that you've showed your heart to us. Drive us forwards, we pray. Drive us outwards. Move us with your compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.